This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I'm left with a conundrum now, not knowing what tomatoes are going to be like in the New Jerusalem. No doubt that will be revealed to us. You may notice from your bulletin that this is not called a sermon. This is called a homily. A, ser- uh, a homily is like a sermonette. I worry about sermonettes because I think sermonettes in the long run make Christianettes. So <laughs> gladly we don't do this every week, but this will be brief. Psalm 46, please turn in your bulletin to uh, Psalm 46. The opening hymn that we sang this morning is based on this psalm. Martin Luther's interpretation of this psalm is incredibly powerful uh, and moving. And uh, I'll make reference to that uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. I don't have more than a couple of minutes anyway. So, but let me just say a few things just by way of preparation. The context of this psalm is unknown to us, but it seems to be something to do with trouble. Some kind of catastrophe is about to come on the people of Israel, and the psalmist is reflecting on this potential disaster and reminding himself and reminding those who will sing this psalm that God is the Lord. God is the Almighty One. He cannot be overpowered by any enemy. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble, it says in the first line. Uh, Verses 7 and 11 are the chorus to the song. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, both of those verses say. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So that's the context. Some kind of disaster is about to come. The structure is very simple. It, there are three, three strophes, three verses, we would say, and a chorus, which appears at the end of the second strophe and the third strophe. The first strophe, the first three verses, deal with what one of the kids this morning called natural disaster. Listen to what it says. Though the earth gives way, Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the water roar and form, though the mountains quake, some kind of apocalyptic episode is envisioned here. And the psalmist says, no matter what the earth throws at us, no matter what tsunami or earthquake or flood comes, God is with us, and God ultimately will protect us. The imagery of universal catastrophe, something worse than Noah's flood, is envisioned. The world, verses 2 to 3 say, is quite literally falling apart. The world is falling apart. But, the psalmist says, we will not fear we will not fear. This is a theme that runs through the scriptures. God is saying this often to people he's calling into 
various kinds of ministries to Abraham, Moses, Joshua. Jesus says it to his disciples, do not be afraid. The second strophe uh, moves from the cosmic imagery of the beginning to something more political. Yes, religion and politics cannot be separated. Politics have something to do with how our lives work. And for the people of Israel at this time, in this place, politics were difficult. Israel, of course, was a nation and a very small one, caught between the superpowers of its day, Egypt and Assyria and Babylon. And these powers were not often kind or peaceful. Verse 6 expresses the problem. The nations are in an uproar. This reminds us of the second psalm, one of the introductory psalms to the whole book. And the, the second psalm says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. It is not nature that is the main issue in this central bit. It is tyranny, oppression, hatred of God and his people. The nations have taken up arms to attack the people of God. And in the midst of this insecurity, Israel must not depend on its strong walls. It must not depend on clever defense tactics or on having better weapons. God himself is their defense. God is our security, not any fancy weapons of man. Some depend on horses and some on chariots, but we trust in the Lord our God. And in the third strophe, we have God's solution. And it's a bit of a strange paragraph. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire or the chariots with fire. Some of the commentators are very strange at this point. Some of the commentators say, what is envisioned here is a field of corpses and broken weapons. But I have read this psalm over and over again this week, and I see no corpses. What God is going to put an end to, the desolation that God is going to bring, is a desolation on war itself. God is going to break the weapons of war and bring peace, ultimately. Be still, God says. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I once had the chance to preach in, in a country uh, which I will not name, but it's to the east of Ethiopia uh, in the Horn of Africa. I don't want somebody listening to this on the internet to Google, Google where I am, where I was. But I was there for a Remembrance Day service with the British High Commission. And most of my congregation were Muslims, and most of them were the military of that country. 
And when I said, only God can stop war, they all nodded. Only God is powerful enough to overcome the hatred of human beings, to break the bow, to destroy AR-15s and nuclear stockpiles. And one day, God will bring an end to all of our weapons of war and all of our hatred and all of our insecurity, and he will bring peace. One last point. The psalm says that God is our refuge, that he is with us, that he is an ever-present help in trouble. But Luther reminds us of something very important about that. And that is that we don't have a silver bullet just because we are Christians. We don't have a way to avoid the sufferings of this world just because we believe in Jesus. Here's what Luther says. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The psalm does not promise us that everything will be well in this world. But the psalmist promises us a new world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.